My one, my one, isn't this a lot of fun? Did you, America? Well, hello there. Welcome to another edition of Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Ian Canfield. This is where we talk about stuff. Most of it American, some of it not. All of it with a very America overview from a Brit. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jeremy and I were uh, just strategizing our next uh, move to take uh, Did You America to the next level. And um, we think Cam Soda, inspired by Paul Pierce, right? Ah, yes. I think uh, a pornographic webcam website is the perfect home for Did You America. Let's backtrack on this Paul Pierce story. So he was uh, the guy on ESPN uh, doing baseball, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) Let's backtrack on this Paul Pierce story. Jeremy, for those people who don't know who Paul Pierce is, fill them in. So Paul Pierce is a basketball player. Yes, he uh, he played for the Boston Celtics, probably one of the best NBA players from like the 2000s to 2010 That's era. what I just said. Yeah, you had it. Yeah. You were a few letters off. That's the only difference. A little bit of a bigger ball. Right. Um. So yeah, but the last few years he's been working for ESPN as a, an analysis? Analyst? Analyst. That's the word. And, uh, you know, he's had a few viral moments in his time at ESPN, maybe said some things that others wouldn't say on television you know nothing too crazy he also one time famously pooped his pants when he was in the, in the nba that's how i know yeah. him right right yeah. right he, right he tried to pretend it was cramps but he pooped his pants mm. and he admitted it a few years ago that he most likely pooped his pants but that's beyond the point what happened i think last week was you know he was on instagram live and it looked like he was at a poker game at someone's house with some friends and you know while he was on this Instagram live video. There happened to be some, you know, uh, scantily clad women twerking in the background. And maybe there was some weed and there was a lot of booze. Well, there was every, Everyone in that room appeared to be having a really good time. Yeah. And, and, and the lesson here, well, you would have thought, would be just because you're having such a great time, it doesn't need to be on Instagram live. Well, I mean, I don't think he was doing necessarily anything illegal. Apparently, Disney thought so because they fired him. Mm. But, uh, well, Disney, of course, owns ESPN. A day after the video went viral, ESPN let him go. But it kind of seems a little bit ridiculous to me that they would get fired. I mean, he was in California. He's definitely of age to drink. You know, it's no secret... NBA players quite often go to strip clubs. I mean, there's an NBA player named Lou Williams who literally has a menu item named after him at an Atlanta strip club. That is a step up from having your own sandwich in the diner, isn't it? No, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a diner in Phoenix that has the Camfield skillet. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which I'm very, very proud of. I have my own skillet on the menu, but having something at the strip club named after you, the only way you could go better than that is, now, it's a food item. It's not like a specific dance, or is it an I order? it's chicken wings. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it probably comes with is it Is it code for something? <laughs> like, are there, are, are there, are there different the levels? Lou Williams. Yes. Like, <laughs> There's Lou Williams at the dining table in front of the main <laughs> stage upon which the dancers perform 
Storm, and then there's the Lou Williams if you go out back, right? Crazy, I want the Outback Lou Williams. <laughs> That's what it's called. There's the Lou Williams and the Outback Lou Williams. <laughs> I thought that was a blooming onion. This is way better. <laughs> right. So anyway, yeah, Paul Pierce is having uh, too much of a good time and dis- uh, decides to put it on Instagram Live. And then um, Disney say, you can't do this on our watch, and they fire him, right? Which is crazy because, like, look, I didn't do much research into this, but Disney is a huge company. I'm sure they're paying someone currently way worse than someone that sometimes uh, hangs out near strippers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, you know, he gets fired. Also, and- can I just say, have you ever been on any of those Reddit forums that people secretly who work at Disneyland talk about what they get up to when they're not entertaining the kids dressed up as Donald Duck? Oh my, let me tell you, there's a lot more that goes on according to these, these, these forums around the dumpsters in the areas of Disneyland that the families don't get to see them what was going on on Paul Pierce's Instagram. I mean, let's be real. The people willing to take on a full-time job dressed as a children's character usually aren't the most upstanding citizens. When they go round to the dumpsters, they will fuck one another in or out of costume. <laughs> it, or, like they're, they're, like they, they literally, like Daffy Duck meets Minnie Mouse, and they go, how long's your break? Only five minutes? All right, let's do it in costume this time. But if you meet me for the 30-minute break a bit later on, when we, when we fuck again, we can probably get in and out of the costumes in time. So that's why Orlando has that huge furry community. Got it, got it. <laughs> so anyway, Paul Pierce uh, was very defiant because I remember he, he posted, uh, went back on Instagram well, like the next day and basically went, screw you, ESPN, right? Yeah, he started getting offers right away. I mean, he is very good at his job. And I mean, it's ridiculous what he got fired for. So yeah, I mean, that's like, that's like if the Lakers all of a sudden said like, LeBron, you missed a couple free throws. You're out of here. Like every team in the NBA would be like, yeah, we want LeBron in the media. That's a ridiculous reason to get rid of him. But what I find interesting about this is uh, this is Paul Pierce, uh, I think, being very forward thinking. So let's assume that he had offers from other networks, things you have to subscribe to on your YouTube TV or your <laughs> AT&T and such like. And he, uh, he probably said to his people, all right, filled all the offers. Come at me, NBC. Come at me, CBS. Uh, come at me, whatever. And and where has he decided to go to? Well, I don't think he's made this decision yet, so let's <laughs> let's not say he's going there. You please. came into my kitchen no, today where we record offer. this podcast telling me Paul Pierce is going to a porn site. No, I did. I said uh, he got offered a job at a porn site. We've so- all had that. <laughs> I haven't. Oh, my God. I did this as the opening story on today's episode, and it's not real. I no, thought real. I, I thought I could go to Cam Soda it's right now, and, 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 and he's literally dribbling a basketball with his dick. No, no, see, that's not even what they want. So Cam Soda offered him, they wanted their first ever NBA analyst position on Cam Soda, and they were they offered it up to Paul Pierce. So I don't know if necessarily that meant he was going to be naked while giving the uh, rundowns of the game, or maybe... You know, he would just be doing it while ladies were twerking in the background, like the video that got him fired. You totally led me to believe that he was signed up to Cam Soda. I was all ready to go in and go see Paul Pierce has seen the future. Paul Pierce on Cam Soda is the new Royal Blood on Roblox. You're you're missing the point. The point isn't that Paul Pierce might be on Cam Soda. The point is that we should be on Cam Soda because if they're will hold on, if they're willing to offer Paul Pierce a position as an NBA analyst on the porn website what better than did you america right in between the box for some boobies and some dick 
I can see it. I can see it. Uh, it could definitely be a few. Do I have to shit myself? Yeah, that's the whole point. I mean, we're, we need to make money. We're not just going to make money talking. I'm, you know, you're going to have to show Because I've heard that people, some some people are into that kind of thing. Is that what Cam Soda want Paul Pierce for? Actually, you might be getting this all wrong. They're like, yeah, we don't care what you've got to say about basketball. Can you shit yourself? Because well, yeah. there's a huge market in that. They're, they weren't actually looking for a basketball analyst. They were looking for a little publicity through Paul Pierce. I get it. We could do that same thing and this is the perfect way to get money i don't know how their tokens work but i see these girls on the sites those turk tokens go skyrocketing i think we need to get in on this all right well talking of other things that i, I thought were uh, just uh, futuristic uh, uh as little as uh, two weeks ago when we uh when we called a podcast episode what is an nft suddenly now i'm into it because megadeth have got one right wow. so megadeth have got their own nft uh yesterday i was reading about this they've got this um their mascot is called vic rattlehead um he's like the budget eddie from iron maiden so he's on all the artwork and he's on t-shirts he's just not as good as eddie so you don't see him as often and i guess you know megadeth aren't as big as Iron Maiden. you know here's the big differential I've never seen Dave Mustaine from Megadeth have a sword fight with Vic Rattlehead, but I have seen Bruce Dickinson have a sword fight with Eddie. What type of sword fight? On stage, a sword fight. Okay, I just wanted to make sure they weren't like dropping pants on each other. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Iron Maiden go to Cam Soda. Right. The new Iron Maiden album is going to be streaming exclusively via Cam Soda. We're- Bruce Dickinson and Eddie will be getting their wangs out for a new version. This is the new future of Iron Maiden. You've seen Bruce Dickinson and Eddie have that on stage sword fight. Now check out the sword fight on Cam Soda while they debut a new song. In my head, None of what we've discussed on today's podcast is any more ridiculous than Royal Blood releasing a song on Roblox, and that actually happens. When Cam Soda's activity skyrockets today, they better come thanking us. <laughs> so anyway, Megadeth, and like I said, Vic Rattlehead. If you're into Megadeth, you know he's the you know he's the um, he's the mascot. But you know he's not like people that don't care about Iron Maiden know the monster from the T-shirts called Eddie. So it's not even like Vic Rattlehead is is that big a thing. But apparently now you can get a, a, a Megadeth NFT, which is essentially uh, you know a digital piece of artwork of their mascot. And um, so now I fully understand what an NFT is. I still don't understand the perceived value in that. And my immediate thought was, I have got a Megadeth jacket, stand by for the name drop, that Dave Mustaine gave me off of his own back. How is an NFT of a not very famous mascot apparently worth more money than my Dave Mustaine jacket that's actually Dave Mustaine's jacket because I'm starting to think I should start going through my closet now and pricing stuff up. Well, see, that's the issue is because you have the physical jacket, it's worthless. Now, I think if you take a picture of the jacket and upload it to Twitter, I'm pretty sure that becomes immediately worth 50 grand. Right, because that is the thing. Maybe that... So I could, like, sell it for 50 grand and still keep the jacket? Yeah, I think so. Well, like, I saw... I saw the other day uh, Snoop Dogg, he created his own coin and then he had some NFT weed related artwork and someone paid like it was I think it was like $50,000 for an NFT blunt. And then on Twitter, he was like, oh, well, let's smoke a real blunt. Snoop Dogg was like, no, that's not how this works. So I... If I pay 50 grand, I want to smoke a real blunt with Snoop Dogg. I don't want a fake 
digital artwork of a blunt it's a it's a step down from cameo isn't it really when you <laughs> yeah, think <really>. about it. <laughs> like, yeah, at least in the cameo i spent 15 dollars. he said my name wrong now this also made me think because i was i went to the went to my closet and i'm like yeah there we are i don't wear it very often dave mustang's jacket it says mega it's like it's a megadeth touring jacket that he gave me but he was wearing it i went to a sound check and he gave me the jacket right so he's the guy that wears the memorabilia of his own Band. Yeah, but uh, during a sound check, while well, only the people around the band that were that were there, he wasn't it's wearing. Still a little douchey. That's yeah. why he took it off. He's like, oh my god, people around. You, you can have it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But here's my next thing. So next to my Megadeth jacket, right? I have got a uh, a Slipknot jacket, which was the record label had these jackets. But Slipknot's first ever London show was at this famous London venue called the Astoria that's that's been knocked down now. But Slipknot's uh, first ever show was there. And there was a big buzz around it because um, Slipknot hadn't been to the UK before, but they were famous because they were, at this point, they were considered to be really scary. No one knew what they looked like. Right. They were this band that made really heavy music that wore masks and it was supposed to be, you know, really intimidating. So the record label had these jackets made up that's got the Slipknot logo on the back and on the back it says London Astoria and whatever the date was. And I, I've got that. That I know that jacket was really rare. I can't even remember. I might have stolen it. I can't remember how I got it. But <laughs> but I remember wearing it somewhere in the presence of Corey Taylor from Slipknot years later. And he goes, where'd you get that from? Like, he's the singer of Slipknot and he didn't have that jacket. I and that I, jacket. I, 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 he was, and, and uh, yeah, there was, I'm like, you're not having it. I'm going to keep, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep going. I'm going to keep it. But now, now I could message Corey Taylor and go, do you want an NFT of the jacket? Like, I'm going to keep the jacket, but if I send you a picture of it, apparently it's more valuable. For one million dollars. Right, there you go. So that's just an idea that I've got. I'm going to start pricing up my wardrobe without actually having to give any of it away. Am I now grasping the full concept of NFTs? I think you got it. Uh, I tell you, we suddenly become so forward thinking on this podcast. We're going to Cam Soda. I am made in the going to Cam Soda as a, as a result of listening to this, and I'm NFTing my wardrobe. Just think, a mere three months ago, we were tech idiots. Now that we're tech geniuses, we just we keep improving ourselves daily. Three months ago, we were recording this podcast without realizing that our microphones weren't plugged into our laptops. And now I'm selling an NFT of a Slipknot jacket to the singer of Slipknot for $1 million. Watch out, Zuckerberg. That's progress, man. That's progress. Um, it's a significant day in American history. Oh, what's that? 38 years ago, on this day, April 8th, 1983, David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear. Oh, it, like, actually disappeared? Well, is that the most famous magic trick in history? I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Houdini has a few. I mean, maybe uh, David Blaine in the ice... But Houdini's tricks are things that have been done by lots of other magicians, like chaining yourself in a chest and putting it underwater. Right, and, but he and, was the most famous one to do it. Right, but no one else has made the Statue of Liberty disappear apart from David Copperfield is my, is my point. Now, okay, do you remember this going down? No, yeah. I was two, like, I was like three, I think. Um, I remember it got repeated a lot because it was like on, it was, a, it, I remember it, it was obviously an event on TV in the UK. And so years later, 
you know, fucking England, where I come from, they only had five TV channels till about the year 2000. So in like 1990, the five channels that were still going, oh, have you seen this trick from seven years ago where the Statue of Liberty disappeared? <laughs> we're repeating it today at seven o'clock. See, this is why we need a... Uh, we need to somehow manage to get a third microphone and a third computer because we need to ask someone who was in New York in 1983 that happened to be at that event because I feel like they could have very easily tricked people on television into thinking the Statue of Liberty wasn't there. But I'm sure, like, for the people that were there, they're all just like, no, it's, it's still right there, Copperfield, what the hell? Well, I think the, the uh, if you apparently how you do the trick is is all online. So, obviously, there's mirrors. And I, I think what the, the, the thing was was it's all in the timing because he had people sitting in what they believed was a stationary position, but apparently everyone was actually on a moving platforms, but they moved so slowly, even the people sitting on them couldn't notice that they were moving, and it's all about when certain things are at certain angles and the mirrors and everything. So it's a, obviously he didn't make the Statue of Liberty disappear in reality, but the, is this too much for your stoned are you, brain? Are you telling me that magic isn't real? It was just a trick. He didn't really walk through the Great Wall of China. I gotta take a break, man. This is too much to handle. <laughs> but it's one of the most famous tricks. Uh, people were stunned by it until YouTube ruined everything years later. You know, maybe it was that show, that masked magician guy who just exposed everything. He made a show out of going, here's how the trick's done. I don't know. But someone exposed it, and apparently it's all over the interwebs now about, uh, about how it's done. But I'm a big fan of David Copperfield because I went to uh, his show, uh, I forget which venue it's on at, but he's on in, um, in Vegas, or at least he was. I don't know what's happening now. Um, post pandemic. And um, I went with, there were probably six of us that went to the show and um, we watched the show and it was great. And we all came out of the David Copperfield show with these different theories as to how certain tricks were done. And we had these ideas of, okay, that person's uh, uh, the, someone that works for Copperfield who's in the audience and this is done that way and blah, 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 blah. And we had these set parameters that, that we thought that would be the same at every magic show. And then just by chance, another friend of mine was going to be in Vegas one week later and she also had tickets to go to the David Copperfield show. So before we got too drunk in Vegas, I was like, I'm texting you my notes. Like we made this <laughs> list of like, we've, We've beaten Copperfield, right? We got you, and, Copperfield. I, and I think we had like five or six things that we basically said, if these are parameters, as in it's always an old lady that sits in the third row of the audience and there's always this, like these are right. set Here's things. People, right that are always the same when he does these tricks. This is how they're done. And so I sent this to my friend and she went and watched exactly the same show with David Copperfield a week later at the same venue. And none of the parameters that we set out was like, this is how he does it were the same. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. So he's, he's really pulling off some magic on some people. I, 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 I was, the things that I was mostly impressed with, with, with David Copperfield was, first of all, the, the, the level of concentration that it must take, because at that time he was doing three magic shows a day at this venue, and I think was working six days a week. And so if it's all 
his concentration and the sleight of hand and all that kind of stuff. I know he's doing the same show three times over, but the level of concentration that you must have to keep. I mean, you don't even know what day it is half the time when no. we're recording this podcast. Imagine, I don't know what day it is right now. Imagine going in and you've got to like maintain that level of concentration when you're David Copperfield. And the, and the other thing that, like, that was a takeaway was he fucking hates people because <laughs> one, one of well, yeah, the... He's constantly pulling tricks on. <laughs> One of the tricks that he was doing that I didn't think was someone who was working for him in the audience. Um, I, I forget what, what was going on, but he got someone up on stage and was asking them to do something. And he was just really abrupt and pissed off with them. And I forget that what words he said, but he was like, okay, so pull the, this card out of the hat. Well, come on, do it. And he might as well have been like going, Jesus Christ, bitch, I've got to do this trick again in two hours time. Move this along. Hurry it up. We have plenty more show to get through. <laughs> right. But Go I... see the two guys with the lion. <laughs> oh, one of them's dead. You can't do that anymore. Oh, that's Aww. a shame. <laughs> All right. Go die from the lion. <laughs> but I um. But yeah, I was just really impressed that we had this all mapped out of like how um, the, the, the tricks were going to work and all this kind of stuff. And then this was a thing that was like really magical. About a week later, I posted something about it because I was talking about it on the radio uh, when I used to work in Arizona. And David Copperfield suddenly started following me on Twitter, and that felt like it was magic. Whoa. Yeah. He, he knew your plan to take him down. He's like, all right, Ian Canfield, I see you. I'm going to take you down the peg. How about that? Well, one of our, one of our, that we thought was like a hole in the whole David Copperfield way of doing things was um, there was some woman up on stage who was really elderly, and one of my buddies went, oh, okay. Everything he's saying to this woman, He's getting wrong, but she's too old and feeble to fight back. And, oh, yes, that's correct. And, and, and she clearly doesn't know how to log onto a computer, so she can't go online and message TMZ and go, I want to expose David Copperfield. So we were like, so one of our one of our holes in the whole David Copperfield isn't really doing magic, but I messaged to my friend who was gonna go see the show the next week was the such and such trick is always gonna be done with a lady who's at least 75 years of age. And I get a message back from my friend Frank and she's like, nah, he did it with a bloke who looked about 22 to me tonight. I'm like, damn! He was clearly drunk and he was just going along with it. I just think, you know, at this point, the problem with magic is every trick has been done. Like, even the great magicians of today, David Blaine, the last thing he did was he grabbed some balloons and floated from one area to another. That's not a magic trick. That's just a cool thing to do. Right, no, well, I, that, I, that magic, so-called magic, was bullshit. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing... That was like a science experiment. And also, he didn't even float where he said he was going to float. It was going to be... He was going to float from one side of the Hudson River to the other, right? Yeah. And then he ended up floating in the desert in Arizona, right? And I remember watching that video and thinking to myself, you know why I think he moved it from the Hudson River to the middle of the desert? Because New Yorkers are very upfront, outspoken people, and he probably would have got a crowd of native New Yorkers on like 12th Avenue or whatever it is that runs across the Hudson going, 
Fuck you! This isn't magic! What the fuck? No! So he went to the middle of the desert where he wasn't going to get heckled, basically. Yeah, in Arizona, all you have to do at the end of a trick is say ta-da, and they're like, yep, that was magic. But I I remember discussing this with you, and you made a very good point at this. There was nothing... Okay, so he floated with some balloons. It was like a science experiment. I would expect your average chemistry teacher to be able to figure that out by the end of the week if you set that to, uh, to them as a task. And as you said, okay, so he floated with some balloons that was like some sort of scientific uh, math that he figured out. He didn't even land at the end and go, and this was your card? Right. Like He couldn't even pull out a deck of 52? Maybe throwing a little bit of a trick in there to throw us off? You know, all of a sudden, like, he's wearing different pants? Something. But I do think this is why, and it's not just because David Copperfield is the only magician who follows me on Twitter, but I do think this is why David Copperfield um, deserves extra credit, because like you said, it's almost as if all of the magic tricks have been done again and again and again. But I don't see David Blaine making the Statue of Liberty disappear. Well, he can. It's already been done. No, no, no. But no one else has tried that again. That's why I'm saying that is that is potentially the most impressive trick of all of them. Plus, we already know that David Blaine is scared of hecklers on the uh, <laughs> right. around the around the Hudson River, right? You know, there'll be like those people that do the 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 the, uh, the Statue of Liberty. Um, Tours on the boats are going like, come on then, get rid of it, or are you just going to float above it in your hot air balloon? So impressive. Get out of here, Blaine. Yeah. There was also another thing, uh, one other thing I'll say about uh, David Copperfield was, um, I think with a lot of the magic things, um, the principles of the tricks are the same. Uh, What really separates one magician from another is the budget with which they do it because one of the his big end trick uh, at the David Copperfield show that I saw was he gets a bunch of people on stage and he asks them different questions and it proves that they're random people and there's lots of things with their history in life and where they're from and it all comes down to this big 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 mathematical equation and at the very end of it he proves that he's written down the number that was worked out. Right. I, right, and but it, but he makes it that there's so many different sort of production elements with it. Um, he makes it look really, really, really impressive. I saw a guy called Justin Wilman, who's a stand-up comic that does a bit of magic, do that exact same show at uh, at a, 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 a stand-up club in Tempe, in Arizona, and and he was just doing it on stage with a whiteboard and some raffle tickets. But essentially, it was the same show. It just didn't look as impressive because it didn't have David Copperfield pyro and everything else, you know, all right. over it. He didn't it. have the flair. Right, right. So, but but essentially, I was like, "Oh, you're just doing the David Copperfield trick. You just haven't, you know, you're not you're not doing it with the, you know, the the the, the Vegas paraphernalia around you." I wonder if magicians are like comedians, where like you can't, you know, comedians you can't steal someone else's joke. I wonder if you can't steal another magician's act because people must have been jacking Copperfield off now for years. Yeah, um, maybe. Well, I think the thing that separates Copperfield is he does things with specific landmarks. So Statue of Liberty walking through the Great Wall of China, 
you know, those kind of things. That is a very different performance to a fucking helium balloon in the middle of Arizona, David Blaine, it's right? Real. In some nondescript part of the desert. Can we just cancel David Blaine for being bad at magic? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, he's doing science experiments, yeah. right? He's Get like, here, nerd. he's your chemistry teacher with a budget. I didn't like my chemistry teacher. <laughs> right, exactly. He touched me in weird ways. What? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> A uh, quick update on Song of the Week because we have other things to get to, um, including a headline which I just wrote myself called Shitty Gislaine. <laughs> Very fond of that headline. Uh, if you want to vote for Song of the Week, we have three choices. They're on the website. They're also on a poll on my Twitter right now. Uh, I have chosen Limbo, the new song by Royal Blood. Oh, um, Jeremy doesn't remember what he chose because I went with Big Boss Rabbit by Freddie Gibbs. Nice save. And New York producer is going with Whoa Man by Dayglow. So you can vote if you go to digiamerica.com if you want to vote via the website. Or you can vote uh, by going to Ian Canfield on Twitter and finding the poll there. Limbo by Royal Blood, Big Boss Rabbit by Freddie Gibbs, and Whoa Man by Dayglow. Uh, for Song of the Week votes. We will be back with part two any second now. All right, let's do uh, part two of Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Ian Canfield. Thanks for uh, hanging out with this chat. Ghislaine Maxwell is back in the news. Oh, our favorite. Well, I mean, I was getting concerned. I thought she's been absent from headlines for so long. I thought, did they kill her and we don't know about it? Like, they killed Jeffrey Epstein and it became a massive story and a Netflix documentary. And they thought, well, she's got to go as well, but we need to keep this quiet. I was starting to, starting to get concerned. Right, like they learned their lessons from the first one. They were able to keep this one under wraps. Well, I, it, it, I've said on this podcast before, she is such a potentially world-changing story because of the connections that she has with super rich, super famous people, right? Yeah. Um, and whether or not all of them were involved with the pedophilia on uh, Pedophile Island, as it got nicknamed, who was and wasn't on Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express. There's going to be that side of it. You might find out some very famous people are actually terrible human beings. But even, even that aside, the, 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 the big earners, the level of influential people and the money that ties them all together in this super super shady world that she and jeffrey epstein basically used to run i just think it's that there's so many people that could potentially be connected to it it, it the the domino effect is huge oh for sure i think the weirdest thing for me about Ghislaine maxwell is just like every time one of these stories pops up you know her face her image is on a headline i i'm just so amazed at how weird and odd of a person she looks you know based off of her reputation you'd think she was like uh like like meryl streep in a devil wears prada you know like this like glamorous like very powerful woman but like she kind of looks like a very tall bridge troll that like somehow has all this power over women to be like yes have sex with this man it's mm. very confusing yeah well so she's in the news because apparently uh she won't flush a toilet in her cell oh okay um so uh the the, the news is basically um the shitty chisline if you uh if, if, <laughs> if you've got the misfortune to be a guard looking 
looking after her cell. And apparently she's on constant guard watch because, of course, they they don't want, well, they say, they don't want her to be Jeffrey Epstein. They, right. don't, they don't want a, you know, apparent suicide and or someone going in there to kill her. Right. Um, so the, the, the news is, is that she's complained about her detrimental conditions um, she wrote a letter. I don't. Should, should she have a pen? I mean, she could stab herself with that. I don't know. I uh, she could turn that pen into a very sharp implement. I think um, she's writing these letters with her blood already. Well, but possibly it seems more her stuff or her feces, because apparently there's a lot of that around. So she's basically saying my cell is full of shit. Right, and the prison have said, no, 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 no. Your cell's very dirty because you're refusing to flush the toilet. Now, I got, I have two theories on why she might be doing this. She might just be wanting to get attention for herself because. Remember, I said that, that, that she's she said that she's got this list of people, and it's going to be earth shattering. People that were involved in all of the dastardly goings on, like as I said, very rich, very famous people. And I said it could read like a festival lineup. There's going to be so many famous people on there. It's like you're staging jizz fest, right? right? And this is going to be. This is going to be the way that she negotiates because she's going to say if she ever gets as far as going to trial, I am going to give you the names of all of these people and it will lead on to other stuff so I get a lighter sentence, right? But you can't sell tickets for Jizzfest if people don't know that Jizzfest is happening, right? It's like a festival. No one's going to turn up to the festival unless you promote it. And I feel like she's been kept out of the, uh, the media for so long. She's going... Oh my God, people are forgetting that I've got this list of names that I want to bargain with. They're just going to basically kill me and hope that I go away quietly. I need to get the, I need to get my, myself back out there to do some promotion. I'm very limited with what I can do in this cell. You know what? I just won't flush the toilet. <laughs> I don't know. I just think there's something with rich people and shitting. Like every time you hear about one of these rich, eccentric people getting locked up or, you know, going away to a different country their stories are always filled with yeah they're covered in shit all the time like i'm pretty sure the same story happened with jeffrey epstein before he died or killed himself or whatever it was it was like oh he's living in disgusting living situation like look how gross his mansion is look how gross his uh jail cell is also uh the guy who created uh mcafee like the antivirus software mm -hmm. there were stories about him that like he went to south america and all these women were saying like he was into scat porn and like being pooped on and like he had poop everywhere you who's the um you might be onto something the uh wikileaks guy what's yeah, his julian assange right, too right he, he he so he was um in an embassy i can't remember whose embassy it was but um he basically secured himself away from the cops in london and lived in a foreign country's embassy for several years right so he was like a guest and um there was a news story that uh, the living quarters in which he'd been uh, stationed for several years were full of shit. There's shit on the walls. I'm yeah, I remember seeing it. Like, he was smearing shit everywhere. I, I remember they couldn't tell if it was human shit or cat shit. How he got a cat in there, no one knows. I think that embassy has a no-pet policy. I think they I'm telling you, there was a cat involved in this story at some point. Really? I don't know what that man was doing to the cat, but there was a cat. I remember it was a big story. Like, he lost the cat, and then, like, uh, humane societies were trying to find the cat, and, like, Pamela Anderson all of a sudden was like, the poor cat. There was a cat story? I'm pretty sure there was a cat involved at some point. 
Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know what it is. That's a very low-rent version of what uh, Ghislaine is, is trying to negotiate with. Like, uh, no, the, sure. <laughs> the mean, guy from WikiLeaks is like, forget about all of the charges that you've got against me. What about the cat? That's the big issue with the prison system in America. It's not rehabilitating criminals. It's teaching rich people their true passion for shit and shit everywhere. <laughs> I, uh, speaking of with Julian Assange, I don't think I've ever brought this up. So, you know, do you remember Edward Snowden? Yeah. Okay. Did he shit everywhere? No, no that's the, he's the one guy who's not shitting on Okay. Him. But so this is a wild turn. He flushed his toilet every time. So I found out a few years ago that there's this guy online who is convinced that my brother is Edward Snowden. And he he's like a crazy conspiracy theorist person. I guess we had a family friend growing up who he is convinced is somehow related to the Rockefellers and is causing all the world problems. So this guy literally has a website. I'm about to show you the photo. He has a website where he creates memes like outing these people for like people they kind of look like. So here's one that he's made of my brother where like he somewhat looks like Edward Snowden. So he's now convinced that my brother is Edward Snowden. Oh. Yeah. And if you, so if there's also one because I looked a lot like my brother in, uh, when I was younger, there was a time where like, if you Googled my brother's name, a photo of me as Edward Snowden would pop up on like the first thing on Google images. Does this guy who does the website, uh, have you as, uh, Walter Becker? I mean, he probably does now. We've given him way too much information on this podcast and my real identity, but now I'm kind of freaked out that I might be on the gist fest list. Do I have enough power? Power to make the cut? I don't know. Well, is they, it going to be like Clinton, Trump, Hoffman <laughs> <laughs> doing a set of Steely Dan covers? Because right, yeah, it looks it. It, it looks okay. The other thing I thought with her bathroom issue might be: is she listening to this podcast and she's taken the idea of Jizz Fest too far? Because I've been in uh, at festivals, particularly in the UK, where you may as well have just shit anywhere up against the wall in the bathroom rather than using the toilets because they're in such a terrible condition right she her her cell is like your average porta potty at a festival this all might be just fest related it might be is the only thing she's allowed to watch while in jail is that documentary about the fry fest she's like oh this is just what you do music and shit i got plenty of that where are the pigs i want to swim with the pigs Yeah. Okay. I can see it now. This is the Jizz Fest lineup, like you said. Clinton, Trump, Prince Andrew, Jeremy Hoffman. Jeremy Hoffman plays Steely Dan. What? Well, you need some light and shade. With an appearance from his brother, Edward Snowden. (laughs) I just wanted to say, uh, my brother is not Edward Snowden. No. No. No, 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 no. But, um, But, I mean... Yeah, he could replace Donald Fagan in the Steely Dan, the, this, this new version of Steely Dan. Um, that could be a thing. I uh, ooh, a little Steely Dan note for you. Did you know before they were Steely Dan, actor Chevy Chase was their original drummer? No. Yes, I heard an interview with him the other day. It was an old interview, but he was talking about how before they blew up as the great musicians they were. He was in a band with them and he was actually their drummer. He was the first guy to get booted out of Steely Dan. Okay, well, that's very good information. I didn't know that. I like the fact that you just brought in a random Steely Dan fact from out of nowhere that well, was literally... Steely Dan. No, I mean, yeah, well, I guess I kind of did. But in the fr- in the context of them being at Jizzfest, but I don't know, like... Look, 
Imagine I had I, a Steely Dan I, fact. I felt like throwing it out. I, li- I like this. The uh, They call up Donald Fagan, right? And they go, uh, hey, you know how you were going to end Steely Dan when Walter Becker died, but you decided you wanted more money, so you went, fuck my mate who I was in the band with for 50 years. I'm just going to do Steely Dan on my own. Yeah. People said you had some kind of like low morals. How much would it uh, take for you to play Jizz Fest? It's a festival put on by Ghislaine Maxwell. I think he's in. Every time I, uh, if I pull up like a steely dan song on youtube you know i'm trying to jam out it all you know back in the day before corona they would sometimes pop up like hey this artist is appearing in a concert near you i guess steely dan has not updated their website in so long that for some reason it keeps telling me that there's a concert coming up in oklahoma in june and it's just such a tease because i know it's not gonna be there but damn do i want to go no steely dan fans use computers have you seen our older steely dan audiences (laughs) what are you talking about the last time i went to the steely dan concert the the one the penultimate show that walter becker performed because you know in a roundabout way i might have killed him um I remember it it was a residency in Vegas and I remember looking at uh, the tickets and obviously it's standard practice that the closer to the stage you are, the more you pay for a ticket. And uh, I, I looked at it and I thought to myself, you know what? I think I'm going to be perfectly comfortable with a very nice view in row 14 because ain't no one standing up. See, I figured you would have been like, the first three rows were totally unfilled because people were just like, oh, it's going to be too loud up there. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a show where you know that no one's going to be blocking your view if you want to stay seated because everyone is seated. The uh, the comedian John Mulaney, he's a huge Steely Dan fan. He actually, a few years ago, he I think this was probably before Walter Becker died. I don't know, though. (laughs) Has he performed as Steely Dan since he's died? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. So it might have been, but he went to, uh, you know, he always does the, the would always do the shows at, in New York at the Beacon Theater where they'd go for like two weeks straight. Yeah. Um, so he brought Pete Davidson, the comedian, <clears throat> to one of these shows to introduce him to all the glory that is Steely Dan. This might be the first thing you're telling me that I like about Pete Davidson. Oh, you're going to love this because in the video that uh, Mulaney posted to his Twitter page, it's just panning around the audience and showing no one dancing because no one dances at a Steely Dan show. And Pete Davidson up trying to get people going. And all of a sudden, for the first time ever in their 50-year history, somebody danced at a Steely Dan concert. Wow, that is that is quite something. Well, I, I, I'll know that for the future. If I go to another Steely Dan show and I say, oh, fucking hell, Pete Davidson's here. People's going to get up on their feet and start blocking my view. <laughs> you can definitely comfortably normally sit in row 14 and no one's getting up out their seat. I'll it's, dance with you, Pete. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Um before we're done on today's edition of uh, Did You America, um, I just want to go through um, a bunch of things that I think we made happen. Remember, we have a degree of cosmic power where it turns out that uh, we talk about things on the Did You America podcast and um, suddenly they fall into place. Uh, I think it was on the previous episode. I was uh, talking about uh, seeing Don Johnson a couple of years ago on James Corden. James Corden goes, hey, Don. How do you look so good at 71? And Don Johnson goes, because I was drunk till I was 35, then I quit drinking. Remember we had that conversation? Yeah, we did. Yeah, fast forward like two days. Don Johnson signed on for Nash Bridges Reboot. What? Okay, clearly Don Johnson is listening to Did You America because between the fact that we mentioned him in the last episode and your constant talking about wanting to bring back old TV shows from the 80s, we made this happen. Not only that, but this will shock you. 
I have never watched an episode of Nash Bridges, oh. and I know. And now I feel like I've let myself down because I read this article. So you know Don Johnson was in Miami Vice, right? That's right. what he's most famous of for. Course. So he plays a cop in Miami Vice. I Googled Nash Bridges because obviously this was a second TV show that he had, and it ran for... Um, I haven't got the details. I think it ran for like five or six seasons. It was pretty successful. They launched it in the 90s. I think it ran till the, till the early 2000s. So Don Johnson does another show as a cop. Uh, but in this one, he does magic. Wait, more magician talk? Right? I did not know that that was the plot to Nashville. Well, I think they said, well, we got John Johnson on for this cop show. And someone at the network said, yeah, but he was a cop in Miami Vice. They're going to think it's the same thing. No, no, no. In this one, he's a cop. And he does magic. Not only that, um, Cheech from Cheech and Chong is in the show. No. Look at the, the poster. Do you see that? That's Cheech right there. Is he still alive? Uh, yes. Oh my God, what a great reboot this is. I thought, first of all, I looked at that and couldn't, I thought it was Sherman Oh yeah, Hensley. yeah, 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 I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading more into the, you thought it was who? I thought it was Sherman Hemsley, <laughs> the guy from the Jeffersons. <laughs> Uh, 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 Cheech is going to be reprising his role. He's uh, in no Inspector Joe Dominguez. That's him. Yeah. We're about to become huge Nash Bridges fan. I mean, we're basically the producers of the show. I don't know how this passed me by. So first of all, right, it's an 80s cop being recast as a 90s cop. And the differential is, but he does magic. I mean, already you're ticking a load of my boxes. You know what I also discovered while I was... See, I don't just throw this podcast together. I do deep dives on, the re on researching what we're going to talk about. You know what? TV.com. You know what I also discovered about Nash Bridges? Apparently, in the original show, there's a uh, consistent storyline about Nash Bridges... That's Don Johnson's character. Don Johnson's character having a brother, right, who is referred to, but you never see. Except that at one point in a later se season, his brother turns up for an episode, and his brother is played by John Michael Vincent from Airwolf! No way. Fuck yeah! The only thing that would have made that better is if his brother was played by Don Johnson with a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> How, how is this show ticking so many of my boxes? And yeah. I'm, like, you know, people are going like, oh my God, I can't wait for the new season of Ozark to drop. I'm going to binge watch it. Or I can't, we're better call Saul's coming back. I'm so excited. I'm like, where are all six 1990 seasons of Nash Bridges streaming? Because I need this show in my life right now. I almost canceled today's podcast. I was going to text <laughs> you and say, fuck coming over. I've got to watch Nash Bridges. We're starting our new podcast. <laughs> podcast where you force me to watch television shows that I don't want to watch. Well, we're doing that anyway, but Nash Bridges has now just been added to the list. I don't know how I missed out on it. I feel I, I, I'm ashamed that I missed out on it. Also, by the way, um, this announcement was um, on the Ellen show. Um, I don't know, Don Johnson, you might be behind the times now, but Ellen, no one watches that show anymore and everyone hates her. So right. you're welcome on this podcast if you'd like to uh, if you'd like to discuss ideas. No angry lesbians here. <laughs> I will say this, though. I am very excited for the pilot episode where for Don Johnson's first trick, he turns a known pothead into a cop. That's, <laughs> that's going to be very impressive. No, I, I think that Copperfield. I bet that <laughs> that probably was the the original pilot. Right. No, screw the the Statue of Liberty being the greatest magic trick of all time. Turning Cheech into a police officer. 
that's almost as good as turning Ice Cube into a police officer. Right. Or, or yeah, 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 totally. Or Ice Tea. Or Ice Tea. Yeah. All the ices. Right, yes. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm Vanilla. a. I have a. So, my, uh, here's my suggestion, right? Uh, Jan Michael Vincent from Airwolf, sadly no longer with us. A man who had faded into such obscurity that he died a couple of years ago. I can't remember the exact year, but when Jan Michael Vincent from Airwolf died, he was so obscure by that point, he died in February and it wasn't reported till April. You know you've hit on hard times when you used to be the biggest paid actor on TV and then your death doesn't get announced till three months after it occurred. Right, a man who would wear an eye patch not because he was a pirate. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jeremy uh, showed me a thing on YouTube. Uh, I guess it, this would have been from the 90s with Jan Michael Vincent being interviewed on Howard Stern. It's just one of the best things I ever saw. It's the drunkest anyone's ever been at 8 a.m yeah right it's early in the morning <laughs> so here's my idea right i want cgi jan michael vinson <laughs> in the reboot of nash bridges i was uh you've heard of hawaii 50 right yes. you know that was an old show in the 60s and the, what was on recently was a reboot right so there's the same character there was an episode in the reboot of hawaii 50 where the modern-day McGarrett, the lead character, met the old McGarrett, but the old McGarrett had been dead for years and years and years, but they had a conversation using CGI. Whoa. This is what I want. Now, See, the, that's the masses may be excited about the fact that Cheech is a cop. Fine. I want Airwolf as Nash Bridges' brother again. I think that sounds good. I love that idea. But CGI, that's that's not your style of television. That's a little too modern for you. You need, like, cheap cuts of, like, old J. Michael Vincent clips from, like, whatever movies and television shows to piece together sentences. Oh, yes! Now you're into, talking my language! Right, yeah, CGI, that's, that's going to look way too good. You need something wow. way cheaper. Wow! Remember, Equalizer. You know Queen Latifah's not on that bike. That's what makes the show so good. Every time there's a fight scene and I can see it's clearly not her, I'm like, this is like watching a show in 1986, but I'm watching it in 2021 and that's what makes it so great. So take notes, Nash Bridges, <laughs> you, if you want to succeed. You, that is a great, 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 great concept. And even better, let's have Jan Michael Vincent fly in in Airwolf because I don't <laughs> think that, again, I didn't watch it much to my, my, my shame, but... Um, I, the, the plot was that the character that J. Michael Vincent played was Nash Bridges' brother. I don't think there was any chopper element to it. We, 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 we need that. I think when JMV's around, there's always a <laughs> chopper element. <laughs> There's just there's a scene in the new Nash Bridges and they hear this like it's the sound effects of a uh, of a of a chopper and Don Johnson and uh, Cheech is like what's that and John Johnson goes I think it's my brother and Cheech goes I thought he was dead and John Johnson's like nope we found some Airwolf from 1986 and bought the rights to it here you go and he's like wait can I not smoke this joint now I'm very confused do you know um, because of course I know way too much about all my favorite TV shows your idea that they would just take clips of Airwolf. It's genius. <laughs> right, no, but it, it's more realistic than you know. Here's a fact, fact fans. And when we do our podcast on the A-Team, I'll point these scenes out, oh, right? Yeah. In the A-Team, they couldn't afford for cars to go off cliffs and explosions and stuff like that. So they would film a chase, right? 
and then cut to the bit where the, the you know the car goes off the end of the cliff and it blows up, and they would buy scenes from James Bond movies. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so the point, so the point at which there was any kind of full-on wreck, they couldn't afford to blow up a helicopter or a car. You would, they would just use the same car that was in I don't know Thunderball, right. and then you'd see the A team chasing it, and then it would cut to a scene that at the end of. Um, at the end of the, the where the big explosion happens, you're actually watching a shot from Thunderball. I thought you were gonna say they pull like the 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 parody movie move where you know the, a car goes off a cliff and all of a sudden you see like a toy car and like a toy scene like someone holding right, it on right, 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 right. Not quite that bad. Okay. Not quite that bad. <laughs> they stepped it up a little bit at least. But your idea of they could just uh, forget the CGI, let's just get uh, Jan Michael Vincent yeah. from uh, from Airwolf talking with Don Johnson. I mean, it's gonna be way cheaper. I'm all about it. By the way, uh, I don't know that we've we made this happen because I don't think I really rallied against this on the podcast uh, too often. But uh, the, the my rule of loving the reboots does stop at the reboot of MacGyver, um, and that's been cancelled. And that's just all round good news. I've never seen a character on TV who's supposed to be one of the good guys that I wanted to punch in the face as much as I did the the guy that was cast as the new MacGyver. So you hear me talk about the Equalizer and everything that like I say about these shows. New MacGyver, that was shit. Right. What a shit show. You prefer MacGruber in that scenario. I would actually take MacGruber. And you know what? You know, in fact, you know what I would take? I would take a reality show about, about the Richard Dean Anderson who played the original MacGyver now as a fat bloke pushing a cart around the parking lot of his local grocery store. Because every so often, like the, the New York Post will do an article of like, oh, did you see how fat original MacGyver got? He's fat now. And, he, and here he is in the Kroger parking parking lot or wherever fat original macgyver pushing a car around is more entertaining than this kid who was in the reboot of macgyver what do you know fat macgyver getting more food can i just say one other thing before we wrap up because you brought up the equalizer and i, I like to give, give it a mention um so you know um last week on the podcast i uh told you that i'd got into uh gangs of london which right. is on amc now it, all joking aside that is a that's a, gr a great tv show like it's uh 10 episodes there's a reoccurring something from London. Well, yeah, yeah. I like it though. Remember, I Baby like steps. it. Ste and a few months are going to be like, long live the queen. Right. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to be going that far. <laughs> um, but it's got uh, the the way it's filmed. It's high budget, um, and 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 it, and it and it and it's a great storyline. It's just a very entertaining show. But it is a show where there are 10 episodes and there's lots of plot twists in it and, and you have to watch from one episode to the next. So I took out a subscription to AMC. You can get it for free for a week. So I'm like, I'm just going to got to watch all these 10 episodes within seven days because I don't want to pay right. $7, right? I don't $7 like Gangs of London, right? <laughs> I, I, I like it as, as one week's worth of entertainment right. for free, right? So I'm rushing to get through it. And as I said, lots of, twi lots of twists in and turning in the plot points and stuff like that. So I, I finished uh, episode eight, right? And the other night when uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the last two episodes now. So I go to uh, what I think is episode nine and I'm watching it and I'm thinking, oh, wow, they've jumped around like a bunch of stuff. Oh, that happened? How did that happen? And Oh, damn. I, I'm having trouble keeping up with this and I've literally watched the previous seven episodes in the past like five days. How can this be? And then I started to think, 
Am I watching? Is too, watching too much Equalizer starting to rot my mind? Because I started to think I can't remember that. What? How is this? You this is sudden, follow a plot. suddenly. Yeah, I've literally lost the ability to follow a plot because when I watch the Equalizer, it's the same plot every week, right? And I started to think, oh my god. I've got five episodes of Queen Latifah in The Equalizer and my brain switched off. I literally can't follow a storyline. And then it got to the end of the episode and I went, oh, fuck me, I jumped to episode 10. I missed out nine. <laughs> you just said, well, I'm never going to find out what happened now. Well, now I, up on the whole show. I know what happened now because I watched the end too soon. Oh. I, went for, I went from episode eight to 10. Did, rather did than, you run out of days to go back and watch nine? No, I did go back and watch okay. it. But, 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 but my point being is at no point during watching this episode, most of which made no sense, did I think... Did I just load the wrong episode? My immediate thought was, has my brain shut down through too much Equalizer? I can't, I can't follow any kind of storyline anymore. You know what? Shame on your friend who recommended that show for you. He should know that watching anything more than Equalizer or any 80s nostalgia TV is just too much for you to handle. Well, I did think that I was all in on it, but maybe that is what you're telling me. It's too much to handle. You know what I'm slowly learning is the only difference between this podcast and the podcast idea you had a few episodes ago where you forced me to watch old TV shows is somehow you managed to teach me everything about these shows without strapping me down to a chair and uh, like clockwork oranging my eyes open and forcing me to watch. <laughs> like I know way too much about The Equalizer. I've watched half an episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but aren't you happy to share in my joy that I found this stunning new show called Nash Bridges that I can't, <laughs> that I can't wait to go watch? I mean, I'm selling it to you like a man who's just found religion. Look, I can hate on you, but I'm the guy who sits around watching 90s interviews from Howard Stern, so I can't really talk. And no, we We've given Nash Bridges the best ever idea, just interspersed scenes with cuts from Airwolf so you can have Jan Michael Vincent playing your brother again. Make it happen, Dakota's dad. So good, so good. Imagine if they put Dakota Johnson in it and that's a headline and I'm going, yeah, but what about J. Michael Vincent? When's he going? Dakota Johnson is way too big to be doing Nash Bridges reboots with her dad. You say that. Who would have thought that a Nash Bridges reboot would have happened? <laughs> Definitely not Dakota Johnson. Like, good for you, Dad. You have some work. I mean, now. bearing in mind my love of all eighties TV, what does it say about Nash Bridges when even I didn't watch it the first time round? <laughs> yeah, but ninety six to two thousand one were rough years for you. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I was. I they was. I always. They're like the bad years for metal. They were the years when Bruce Dickinson wasn't in Iron Maiden. Rob Halford wasn't in Judas Priest. And if you wanted to get a new cop show. On on the TV, he had to do magic. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> And not, not Blaine bullshit magic either. We're talking real magic. Here's your card. Oh, I bet there's all of that. I can't wait. Uh, you wait for the text messages this weekend. I'm going to be going, you won't believe the magic trick Nash Bridges just did. And the quarter is gone. <laughs> okay. Um, if you want to talk to the show. We are at digiamerica.com. Uh, you can also vote for Song of the Week there. Uh, you can vote for Song of the Week as well if you go to the poll on my Twitter. I am at Ian Canfield on Twitter. Uh, also on the website, you can buy one of our T-shirts. How lovely are they, Jeremy? Oh, they feel so good on your nipples. Very soon we will have a limited run signed by John Johnson. <laughs> yeah, it might be signed by me as Don Johnson, but whatever. <laughs> digiamerica.com for all that stuff. Uh, then if we're America today, we definitely know Nash Bridges. <laughs> Hell yeah, we American brother.